we pray as we continue on worshiping you, as we digest your word, as we take your word in, and we get an opportunity, we get an opportunity to hear more from you, more what you have for us, Lord. We trust you in this. It's in your name we pray. Amen. The scripture this morning comes out of Colossians 3, 18 through 21. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, oh, read that one. Oh, no. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. You may be seated. Well, good morning. How you doing? You know, it's, it is cold. It's cold this week, wasn't it? And uh, it reminded me when I was back in Wisconsin, and it was like 16 degrees in June, you know, so I was like, I'm glad I moved out of that place. So I uh, hope it's warm in here. This morning, we're going to talk about uh, families, and I'm blessed to have my whole family here today, so I'm really thankful about that. That was my daughter-in-law. Yeah, that's just that red scripture. Now, you know, we ask, you know, the whole thing with this 24-7 is what can we, how do people see us? And so today it's what do non-Christians see when they see our family? You know, do they, do they see Jesus? Well, sometimes that's hard. You know, you want to put on that good face, right? But what if you're ugly? You know, uh, you know like my brother, he was so ugly When he was born, the doctor slapped my mother. Okay. Now, that's a Henny Youngman joke. It's the only one I'm telling today. Okay. But like the old saying, you, can't, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. You know, God gave you your parents, your brothers, and your sisters, and God gave you your children. And God has no exchange policy. Your family is yours for life. So really, what do people see? Dr. Dobson said this comment about family. A family is not a collection of individuals who happen to live at the same address. They are people who share an intimate and complex connection with one another. Now here in Colossians 3, Paul made four simple statements that show us God's plan for the family relationship. Four guidelines to make our family successful. But can we tell the truth in church this morning? Families in America are failing. They're falling apart left and right. And many of those that are still together are are less than ideal. This coming August, um, there will be a Vollmer family reunion. My family will have a reunion in Colorado. We're not a perfect family by any means, but my wife always reminds me there are no axe murderers in my family, so that's a good thing. I have uh, 10 siblings, Eight of, uh, eight of us have spouses, one with a significant other. I will have approximately 31 or so nieces and nephews, and half of those have spouses. There are approximately 40 grandnieces and nephews and one great-great-grandnephew. Um, there could be about 105-plus people there at this reunion. This makes my mom very proud because that was just out of my mom and dad's bloodline. Mom won't let you forget that either. 
In the siblings, there is a family resemblance. Sometimes, though, when you get one generation or two generations down, you can't always see that resemblance. It's, it's a little vague sometimes. And it's interesting when I go back to these reunions and I look around and I see some of the kids and I try to determine whose children they are by characteristic or feature. I know that except for my kids, who are the best-looking and the smartest, <laughs> it is very difficult to know who belongs to whom. Now, the, the vast majority attending thankfully know Christ as Savior. But to those who don't believe, see Christ in us? I hope so. As a believer, I have been born again by the Spirit into a different family, the family of God. We have a new bloodline. We have the bloodline of God the Father. We have been covered by the blood of Jesus. And too many Christians want to excuse wrong behavior by saying, I can't help it, it's just my nature. Well, no, sir. In Galatians 5.24, Paul is very specific. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. The Christian cannot use that excuse. He has a new nature, and he has a new family bloodline. We cannot say, I I really am a good tree. You, You have just overlooked my bad fruit. Now, if the fruit tree is good, there will be a family resemblance. And we're going to bring forth the fruit of righteousness and the fruit of the Spirit. Do your families appear different to the world, or do we blend in? The people look at your family and say that they notice a difference. We stand by a watching world that looks at how we live. The mission here is not to have a beautiful family, but the mission is to reflect Jesus Christ. So how can we improve our family relationships? How can we place God's design for healthy relationships back in our families and in a way that people will know we are Christians by our love? Well, Jesus is our example. In John thirteen fifteen, he says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Well, using my grandkids, I want to give you this little way of remembering what, what is said here. And I'm going to start with Colin. And Colin is going to bring up the letter F. And this letter F is, stands for forgiving. When we are children, our relationship with our siblings is usually one of a playmate, someone we can play ball with, fight with, play games with. Our relationship with our parents is one of wanting encouragement and approval. We want to make our parents proud of us. As we grow older, unfortunately, we start taking on opinions and attitudes, our own values, and we become a little bit more independent. A lot of times we grow apart from our brothers and sisters, and even parents, because we want to blaze our own path, or they want to blaze theirs. Sometimes when this is done, we hurt each other. Scars are formed that never seem to heal. 
Our relationships with the ones that we should be closest to become distant at best. Anybody relating to that? A couple of you? This is not true for all, but for many Christians. The guidelines Paul gives for family relationships won't work if we're going to carry around resentment or hard feelings towards your family members. Wives, don't worry about submitting to your husband, not until you can forgive him first. Dads, don't concern yourself with being harsh to your wives and children, not until you forgive them. And children, don't go overboard on trying to obey your parents. Start with forgiveness. Only as our love finds expression through forgiveness do we then create an environment in which it's safe for family members to respect each other. Why is the words, I forgive you, are so hard to say? Maybe it's because we don't want to humble ourselves and put others ahead of ourselves, even in our family. But pastor, you don't know what my husband or wife did to me. I don't need to know. But you need to forgive him or her. Or Scott, you don't know how badly I was hurt by my parents. It wasn't just once. It happened again and again. I don't have to know about your childhood to know that you still have to forgive. Or pastor, you don't know what my sibling has done. They have disgraced me. My parents never brought them up to live like that. You're right. I may not know, but I do know you need to forgive them. It's not a matter of what I think, but it's what God says. If you want to be forgiven, you must forgive, no matter who, no matter what. In Matthew 6, 14, 15, right after the Lord's Prayer, it says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. If you want God's forgiveness, you must be a forgiving person. That's the first letter. Next, Maddie, my only granddaughter, my princess, come up here next to Colin, uh, brings the letter A. Family relationships need approval or acceptance. Keith Hernandez was one of baseball's top players. He was first baseman for the New York Mets, 300 hitter, Numerous Golden Glove Awards for excellence in fielding. He won a batting championship, highest average, most valuable player award in the, in the National League and even in the World Series, most valuable player. Yet with all this, these accomplishments, he missed out on something crucially important to him. His father's acceptance and recognition that what he has accomplished is valuable. Listen to what he said in a very candid interview about his relationship with his dad. One day Keith asked his father, Dad, I have a lifetime 300 batting average. What more do you want? And his father replied, Someday you're going to look back and say, I could have done better. Are you a parent that when your child gets all A's and a B, you'll spend 55 minutes of the hour on the B and five minutes on the all A's? Or... Do you spend 55 minutes praising about the A's and talking then about the B? 
Acceptance and approval are key to your family's success. You know, I can go to just about any ball game, kids' ball game. I can go to soccer, basketball, football, baseball, whatever, and if the coach's kid is on the field, I can tell you who it is. Why is that? Because the coach is constantly yelling at his kid, constantly telling his kid to go faster. He should have made that play. He should have... I can relate to that because I was that dad. And when the kid comes off after missing a play, fumbling the football, or striking out, and he has his head down, it's not because he disappointed his team or his coach, but we disappointed, he disappointed his dad. As parents, we know that it's a competitive world, and we know our kids need to do well, and we want our best for our kids. But we don't always communicate that. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Too much discipline and little encouragement is not good. We need to encourage our children when they do right as well as discipline them when they do wrong. I make mistakes all the time. And many times, no matter what the intention, and I'm like, my kids are going to nod yes at this, I often embitter my children. I want to encourage, but because my kids are adults, my encouragement comes off as instruction. I'm not sure whether I'll ever get over the idea that they're parents and they have their own families. I want to pick, paint a picture of Jesus Christ to my family so the world will know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Sometimes I tend to paint outside the lines. Lord, help us to be proud of our kids. And give us the grace and patience to be encouragers. The next letter is Z. I'm sorry, that's, true. that's the last next boy, Z. That's Zachary. <laughs> but the next letter is M. And Zachary holds the M, and the M stands for being magnetic. And what happens when you get two magnets close to each other? They are drawn together. Even when you put the same poles of magnets together, each other, they respond and they want to return and to turn and join each other. Well, when I started dating my wife some hundred years ago or so, <laughs> uh, one of the things that stood out to me was how her father would hug her brothers. And even when, when he left the house, he would always give them a kiss on the cheek. Oh, that was so foreign to me. Growing up, I had a father that never showed affection. He wasn't mean or abusive, but he, he just didn't know how to embrace us. I can't ever remember a hug or a, or a kiss on the cheek from my dad. My father-in-law helped me to realize what I was missing. The natural loving touches from my dad. As I had children and now grandchildren, those hugs are always important to me. Do people see the love you have for each other. Family relationships should naturally share loving touches. Husbands and wives, parents and children, even brothers and sisters should be drawn into an embrace. It's really strange, but there are times that my son and I will meet for lunch, and 
uh, we'll, out in the parking lot before we leave, we'll give each other a hug. And I'm thinking, okay, what are people seeing? They're seeing two grown men hugging each other out in the middle of the parking lot. Well, unfortunately, our mindset now is, okay, what's with those two guys? You know? It's unfortunate, but that's the way society treats us. Unfortunately, that happens. Ecclesiastes 3.5 says, a time to embrace. Use it. Jackson, who just had a birthday, brings the letter I. Letter I in family relationships is to impart knowledge or to instruct. I heard about a little league coach who during a game said to one of his players, do you understand what teamwork is? And the little boy nodded. Do you understand what matters is whether we win as a team? And the little boy said, yes. And the coach continued, when a, when a strike is called and you're out at first, you don't argue or curse or attack the umpire. Do you understand that? And the boy nodded. Good, the coach says. Now go over and explain that to your mother. How often the example we set is not what we want our children to do. you like that one, Colin? Is that, okay, yeah, never mind. We, 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 I know he's like, Phew. Do people look at you and your children as an example to follow? God has given parents the responsibility to teach their children. In Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9, it says, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tell them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. It is not the responsibility of the schools to teach our children, especially morals. Important lessons are caught, not taught. In Proverbs 6, 20 through 23, it says, My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teachings. Bind them upon your heart forever. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For these commands are a lamp. This teaching is a light. And the corrections of discipline are the way of life. In Proverbs 22, it says, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Teach your children the values and respect that you want them to have, and love will grow. All right, Caden, it's your turn, buddy. Caden brings the letter. What, Caden? What? L, that a boy. L, relationships, loyal to the end. Family relationships should be bound together with superglue, unbreakable. Parents should model a relationship that are constant and, that's constant and steadfast before their children. Have any of you heard your children or children ask their parents after you have an argument or ask you after you have an argument, are you getting a divorce? How many have heard that? Not very many of you. That's interesting because I've heard that a lot. Are you getting a divorce? Why is that? Because they see it all around them. 
They see divorce. Their, their friends, are, parents are divorced. Of course not. Mommy and daddy are just disagreeing on something. But there's that fear. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, for perfect love casts out fear. More importantly than extending care to widows, Paul teaches that the life of the believer, both men and, men, men and women, should be marked by faithfulness. And faithfulness is learned in the family. Thank you. A believer shouldn't waver in his, his or her marriage commitments. Our words should be dependable in all areas of life. Do people know that, uh, that know you or see you? Also see faithfulness evident in your marriage. Satan wants your marriage to fail. He is prowling like a roaring lion ready to pounce. He uses everything in the bag that can distract you and to destroy your marriage. Are you strong enough to fight him off? No, you're not. Not by yourself, but through the power of the Holy Spirit and through your faith in Jesus Christ. Without him, we will fail miserably every time. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your protection of my family. All right, last but not least, Rylan. And Rylan comes with your letter. What? Why? Why? Because it's your turn. (laughs) Thank you, Ryan. In the summer of 1986, Y stands for yielding to one another. And in the summer of 86, two ships collided in the Black Sea off the coast of Russia. Hundreds of passengers died as they were hurled into the icy waters below. News of the disaster was further darkened. When an investigation revealed that the cause of the accident wasn't a technology problem, and it wasn't a fog problem or radar malfunction, the cause was human stubbornness. <laughs> Each captain was aware of the other ship's presence nearby, but, and both could have steered clear. But according to news reports, neither captain wanted to give away to the other one. Each was too proud. And hundreds died. Now look again at the guidelines that Paul gives in Colossians 3. The central key to each of these rules of the family is that no one is trying to be number one. Selfishness is replaced with humility. And we learn within the family to put others first. Okay, I'm going to have you kids go down. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah, I didn't lose sleep over this message. I lost sleep over that. So, <laughs> you know, I'm supposed to show the world a picture of the way I serve and give myself to my family. I'm not a perfect father. I'm not a perfect husband, and I'm not a perfect grandfather. I want to serve my family as Christ served us. He died to make us holy. He devoted himself to make us pure. 
And it's not just about making things work. It's about a picture of Christ to the world. It's a huge responsibility to be a husband and the leader of your family and at the same time serve them. I need to constantly be checking my focus and purpose for all that I do and say, my wife is more holy, my daughter's more gifted, my son is a greater servant. My children have godly spouses and are raising their children to know Christ. How could I be more proud? My responsibility is to purify my wife. Ephesians 5.28 says to love your wife as an extension of the body as you are an extension of Christ's body. Do people see that in me? Do people see that in you? God designed our relationships. He designed the family. May he enable us to relate to our husbands, wives, and children as he has planned. The world needs to see your motivation. What God wants is not, if I can have God, I'll have a great family. It is, but because I have God, I do have a great family. The world can point and ask, what makes that family so awesome? I could say that it is a greater calling of making disciples and serving God. Don't just focus on family, but work to have your family focused. Parents, when we do have our family focused, that's what it's all about. Would you pray with me, please? And ushers, would you come, please? Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity that that we have to hear your word and to give thanks for our families. God, we just uh, lift you up and ask that you would guide us and strengthen us as husbands and as wives and as kids that we would be obedient to your word. We give you this offering this morning to further the kingdom that all may know that Jesus Christ is Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. sound that saved a wretch like me. Oh, I once was lost, but now I am found. I was blind, but now 
I see, I see it was amazing grace. Sweet the sound saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, now I'm found. Blind, but now I see. Twas grace, grace, that's grace. Grace that taught my heart to feel. And grace, my feet, release. Oh, how precious. Now I see 